Hopefully you got a chance to watch the Olympics recently. So many fantastic events, but I gotta be honest with you, one of my favorites is always track and field. And on this episode of Perkett Pod, we're talking to one of Minnesota's all-time greats in the sport, Kerry Tollefson. But first, a great partner of the Perkett Pod podcast. It is Mike Bryant in the studio with me right now from Bradshaw and Bryant. How are things going? You've been a busy man lately. It's been, lots been going on. Uh, and and a lot of TV appearances as well. I mean, you've been really kind of getting the word out um, in a lot of ways, but also really just lending your expertise to so many people because you're you're a pretty bright guy. Well, people have a lot of questions, and it's it's like when a client calls, you want to make sure you get them the right information so that they can make the right decision on what they want to do. And that's justice for the injured is basically the tagline, right? You believe wholeheartedly in that. Absolutely. You want to make sure they understand their rights. You want to make sure that they understand what coverages they have, and you want to make sure they get protected as best they can. And what I like about you and and the way you present yourself uh, publicly is you really genuinely, I get the sense that you love your job. Yeah, usually, <laughs> you know, like anything else, like anything, right? <laughs> no, but I mean, there's a deep passion within you to to, to help people. Well, you want to be able to give them the answers that they need. People are looking for help. They're looking for expertise. They're looking for the right answers as best you can. You want to try to give them that if you can. And so what if, if somebody is injured or somebody does need help, what do they do? They call our office. They check the website with minnesotapersonalinjury.com or they call 800-770-7008. Mike Bryant, thanks so much for being a partner of Perkett Pod. Ba-doom, 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 Perkett Find out what he'll Perkett Who's coming on today? Sometimes he's at play. Before we chat with Kerry Tollefson, who competed in the 2004 Summer Olympics in Greece, we pause for Random Ranks. Since Kerry competed in the Olympics in Greece, on this episode of Random Ranks, Greece is the word. Here are now the top 11 characters from the movie Greece. <laughs> All right, this is a reach. Number 11, Sonny, one of the original Thunderbirds for sure. Number 10, Rizzo. Pink ladies. Number nine, Coach Calhoun. You got to go deep for this. Number eight, Blanche. She was the lady that read the school announcements over the intercom. Number seven, Patty Simcox. Number six, Eugene. He was the nerd. Uh, Number five, Sandy. Olivia Newton-John. Number four, Teen Angel. Played by Frankie Avalon, right? Uh, Number three, Danny Zuko. Wait, he's not number one? No, he's not. Number two, Kaniki, Zuko's friend. And number one, I mean, my gosh, beauty school dropout herself, Frenchie. Thank you very much. Time now for our conversation with Carrie Tollefson. The Dawson, Minnesota native has had an amazing career in running from state championships in high school all the way to the Olympic Games for Team USA. She's still an active ambassador for track and field, running and wellness 
And she's also an incredibly nice person. Here now, Carrie Tollefson. Carrie Tollefson, wow, long time no see. It has been a while. I think the last time I saw you, I was on your podcast. <laughs> Running. Right? I mean, and, and are you still doing that? I do. I haven't done any, um, you know, in-person running podcasts since, I don't know, before the pandemic, at least, but I yeah. miss them. I mean, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, we ran around uh, one of the local lakes here in town. And my goodness, I was winded by like 100 yards in, but it was it was fun. And it was great to catch up with you then. And, and it is now. Um, so let's let's start with i guess the most recent thing and that's been the olympics which is just you know just culminated on nbc now we're getting into the paralympics and and so the fun will continue there in tokyo and and really when you think about th this year's olympics there, there were, it was a lot of compelling storylines and and us track and field did some really great things and some really not so great things. What, what were your, what was your overall takeaway of, of the Olympic games in Tokyo? Yeah. I mean, you know, the Americans pulled through when we needed them to, you know, there were a couple mishaps with some of the relays and, you know, a couple favorites that didn't quite get there, but that's the Olympics. Like, you know, it's, um, it's such an amazing event where you do see all of the world's best, but yet, there are so many times in a country like ours here in the US where it's so hard to even make that team that some of the best in the world were left home. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it. I loved everything about watching the Olympics. I had a hard time watching them at the right time. I usually watched replays because, you know, with three kids and a job, like who can, you know, work around all of that. But yeah, I was pretty inspired like I am every year. And I'm super excited for the Paralympics to start too, because I've gotten to know a lot of the wheelchair athletes and they're phenomenal. The amount of work that goes in, you know, it's just their talent's amazing. So I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And I would imagine you have a really unique perspective being a former Olympian yourself when you watch these athletes and, and you know, at the prime of their youth here in, in their events and, and, and knowing kind of what they're going through, not just emotionally, but physically as well. Right. I mean, kind of how they've been working so hard to this point and, and now it's all here. Yeah. And, and you know, better than anybody when you're over there, the athletes, a lot of times are just hanging on by a thread, you know, there's injuries they're working through. They are trying to stay healthy and not get sick. Um, you know, we're so finely tuned at that point that we're just ready to go over the edge. And a lot of people do before their final or before their prelim or whatever. So yeah, physically it's amazing how many people are banged up, but yet they get through. And I just had on my podcast, cause I have a podcast as well, like you talked about, see Tolly run. And I had Courtney Frerichs on there who was the uh, silver medalist in the steeplechase. And she's the American record holder. She's phenomenal. But she said from 2018 to about 2020, she needed space from running just in general not racing but everything involved and she had to work on her mental game and you know we saw a lot of different stories about mental health but it really is so i mean i think people overlook it when you're an athlete you have to be firing on all cylinders physically mentally emotionally everything and uh now i think we're ready to talk about it so yeah i mean again inspired by even the mental struggles and the realness of the sport as well yeah. And, and, and let, let's talk about that a little bit, if, if you don't mind, because, you know, one of the things that struck me about these Olympic games was kind of wondering to myself, if it did go off in 2020, 
how much uh, uh, did that change the complexion of the makeup of the team? Like how many people would have been on the team in 2020, but then given another year, somebody surpassed them or they had a setback or, you know, whatnot. And it's just kind of like, it's, it was such a, it was such a unique year um, for, for not just track and field athletes, but all athletes. And, and don't you think that that was kind of, that was probably a really big toll mentally on some of these athletes? I do. I, you know, you look back now at 2020 and especially in my sport and track and field, there were some American records set. There are some world best set because say, for instance, the Bowerman track club, it's a Nike group out in Portland that is training under Shalane Flanagan. A lot of people know her. She's won New York city. She's an um, Olympic silver medalist. She is one of the coaches along with Jerry Schumacher and they had enough uh, resources to have these inner squad meets. And they have so many great athletes that the ladies and the men, the, the guys, they were running these world-class performances, just basically like doing a time trial and practice. So they benefited, I think, from having that opportunity. But then there were these other athletes that really struggled. They were either training too much because they didn't have those ups and downs of what racing does for us in training with peaks and you know, um, down weeks and tapers and things like that. So yes, I think some people benefit, benefited from it, but I also think a lot of people were hurting because of it, because of isolation or whatever. So, and not to mention some of the athletes got COVID. So they were not themselves or they didn't come back to be what they were going to be in 2020. So, um, yeah, I mean, just so many storylines, which is every year, but this year, I think we had a, a, you know, across the board, the same storyline of how you got through it. Yeah. And I think I saw you pop up a couple of times on my timeline during the pandemic when everybody was cooped up at home and you were kind of a really big outspoken proponent about, hey, this is awful. We're all dealing with it. But if you can get outside because it, it, it is so important and vital for your for not just physical health, but but, <laughs> but your mental well-being so and emotionally much. soundness. Right. I mean, you were you were all about that. Well, I mean, can I just say, like, I love to run and you know that, um, and I am fortunate enough to still be able to do it, but 20 minutes a day is kind of my thing. Like if I have no time or very little time to get out the door, I can wrap my brain around getting up extra early and doing a quick 20 minute run. Um, but I want to say more importantly, even though I can wrap my brain around that, my family needs it. <laughs> They're like, please go for 20 minutes. And, you know, I love my kids. They're five, eight and 11. I love my husband, but I love my run. And I am definitely a better businesswoman and mom and wife and friend and daughter, all that stuff when I just get those 20 minutes in. So yes, I think a lot of people forget that you don't have to do 60 minutes. You don't have to go for these long, hard workouts. Just go out there, sweat a little bit, remind yourself that you're living and, you know, go on with your day. And even if it's just running part of the way and then walking for a little bit and then jogging exactly. for a little bit, right? I mean, all that, right? Yeah. Just waving yeah. to your friends. You don't have to be, you can be real far away from them. Just wave and say hi. Yeah. I met a lot of people at that six o'clock hour. We're going to put Perk at Pod on pause. We'll be back with more from Kerry Tollison in a bit. But first, I've got Sean Bernard here in the studio with me from Edina Realty, such a great partner of Perkett Pod. Couldn't do it without you, Sean. How is the real estate business? I would imagine with winter over, it's jamming again. It is. And you know, it, it kind of jammed even at the end of winter. People are were really wanting to buy and sell. It, lately, it's been a lot of my friends whose parents are kind of moving on to that next chapter of their life. 
and I'm helping them sell mom and dad's home. So, you know, a lot of guys our age, I think we're not too far off. Our parents are tending to downsize and kind of moving into that condo, that townhouse, that sort of thing. So if you know somebody who's looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. And I also want to mention, you're actually helping out the the, the local music community as well with with your work. Yeah, I'm a huge sports fan, as you know, but I also uh, love seeing live music. And a lot of these artists and bands, it's been a really challenging year this year. So a portion of every sale on the buy side or the sell side uh, is going to a local artist or band of the choosing of the, the buyer or the seller. Sean Bernard at Diane Realty, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And if you're listening to this podcast and you love music, I got a great podcast for you to listen to. It's The Brian Oak Show. Give that a listen anywhere you find your podcasts. What what has running meant to you over the years? And and my goodness, I, I you've been doing it your whole life. When did you start? Like when did you actually start running? Yeah. Right? Other than being a kid and on the playground playing tag or whatever. But like when did you actually start devoting mm-hmm. time to just nothing but running? Oh, nothing but running, college. Yeah. And even then, my college coaches were like, You are not a runner for four weeks in the summer, you are a basketball player. Like I loved doing everything perk. I come everything. from, you know, rural Minnesota where we played Dawson, 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 Minnesota, go blackjacks. Shout out. <laughs> yep. But if you, you know, could play an instrument, if you're in the play, if you're in the choir, we did it all. And then you played every sport you could. And so I, I started running in seventh grade, but when you ask about when I really started devoting myself to it. I think I devoted myself to it. I wanted to win. I like to work out. I like to train. But I don't know if I really made that switch to devoting myself to being a world-class or national-class runner in high school until maybe like ninth grade. Even mm. when I won the state as an eighth grader, I still didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I was just running because the objective in running is just to get to the finish line first. So that was what I was told to do. And I did it. Yeah. And you won Um, state as an eighth grader. Let's just put a pin in that, like rewind on that for a sec. That's, (laughs) that's ridiculous. Like, I mean, that's ridiculous um, to, to win state uh, with so many great runners in the state at that age. Um, What, and what event was that in Carrie? My first, so let me rewind seventh grade. I was ninth in cross country at state okay. and I was the first person, they had eight blocks that had numbers on them for the top eight. And I was the first person to stand on the floor. And that was really what got me going, I think. Cause I didn't like that. I liked those little boxes that everyone else got to stand on. <laughs> um, and then I think I was fourth in track at the state meet as a seventh grader. And then as an eighth grader, I won. And you know, I won every year after that. And we actually had two classes. This is the first year Minnesota is going to three classes for cross country. So I would go back and forth because we had to cooperate with other schools out there to make a team. And we cooperated with Lacaparle Valley. So yeah, I started young. And, you know, when I, I look back at it, I was running 1041 as an eighth grader, which is super fast. They're all getting faster now. But, you know, I think that early on is, um, where my natural ability just kind of, you know, it was, it was, everyone could see it, but I didn't know it. So yeah, lots of state championships, but lots of reinventing every year. You know, I grew seven inches, so my running was fine, but 
my basketball was off, my shot was all wonky and it was, I was faster than I could dribble, all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I started early on and I think every year I figured out how to be a better carry. I didn't always get faster, but I had to figure out how to be a better carry. Oh my gosh. And then, and then it was on to Villanova after mm -hmm. great high school success um at, at both cross country and distance running and and uh and then at villanova were you more kind of pigeonholed into one event or two events and kind of then that was your in, entire focus yeah cross country then was 5k we yeah. ended up switching to 6k my my fifth year i believe um so i would run anywhere from the 800 meters up to 6k I, I never dabbled into the 10k distance so i was a middle distance runner if you want mm -hmm. to get technical yeah um but yeah and I, I like i said i wasn't allowed to do other sports because i added in indoor track i never had done indoor track before then so i had a year long of running basically with that four-week break where my coaches were like please just go and shoot, go and play basketball. I tried to play with the Villanova girls one summer and oh, right. I had bruises and they were just, you know, they were messing around with me on the court all the time. So it was super fun, but I needed that perk. Like I didn't want to be a one sported athlete when I was in high school. I wanted to be able to go and do everything with my friends. My center, uh, Sherry Norgard went on and played pro. So we had a good team. And, um, you know, I devoted myself to what I was in at the time. Yeah. Villanova also great success, right? I mean, you know, as a, as a wildcat. And, and by the way, why Villanova? Did, I, did we ever establish that? Well, at the time, Villanova was the best in the country, and they're still a pretty good powerhouse. They've had some rough go the last few years, but um, they had won six out of the last, or they won six out of 10 individual titles before I came there. They also had won... I believe it was seven NCAA team titles in cross country. So, you know, at the time when they asked if I wanted to come out there and, you know, I looked around, Michigan was my second choice and Villanova was by far my first choice. It was a far ways away from home though. It was yeah. 24, no, 26 hour drive. For And for a small town girl, that was a big jump. I mean, what, I mean let's be honest, right? Yeah, it was a huge jump. I remember yeah. my mom and dad, we had a villager van, like those Mercury villagers minivan and they had this baby blue schwinn up on top like i sound so old but we drove all the way out there and i remember taking my recruiting trip and it took you know two and a half hours to get to philly whatever but when i drove out there i was like oh my we i am really really far from home yeah and you know when i i landed there with my family my mom and dad and we we drove in and I remember saying, you know, this is this is a commitment. My mom looked at me and, you know, my mom grew up in a time where she didn't get to play sports. Mm. My dad, they were high school sweethearts. And even in elementary, they'd try to look in through the curtains when the girls would play or be in gym or whatever. They couldn't see the girls play sports. So I just look at that now and think, wow, where have we come? And I remember her saying to me right when she dropped me off and they were taken off, she said, you want to be the best you came to where they are the best now go be your best and it was just like okay i made the right decision i'll be okay and that's why i went there what your mom just said just gave me chills uh, that was like I, uh, even i just got fired up just now oh, you would love hanging out with my mom you know it's like sweet 16 time 
She's got all the channels up. I mean, she should just live in the studio at a, you know, at Carol Evan. That's where she should go because she wants to see everything. Don't talk to her during it. Right. Right, 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 right. <laughs> She's crazy for sports. Oh, funny. And and Villanova's had great success in basketball, yes. obviously. So are, oh, are yeah. you still are that is that still kind of like a sense of source of pride for you? Like when oh, when the yeah. Okay, good. You know, Villanova is uh, such a small school. That was another reason why I liked it. Interesting. You know? Yeah, there's like 30 kids in each class and each oh my you know, gosh. professors were right there with you. And um, yeah, it's it's like 5,000, maybe a little more now undergrad. So my mom and dad were like, yep, this is perfect. I remember covering you at the Olympic trials. I believe it was Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And it was like so nerve wracking because we were so rooting for you. And like you were you were trying to qualify in the Olympics in two events. And it was it was the was it the 5000 and the 1500. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was like you had a better chance in the 5000, basically, okay. as I remember it. And um, and you have to finish in the top three. Right. Uh -huh to advance to the Olympic team. And so, oh my gosh, the stress of the Olympic trials in themselves are immense for an athlete, aren't they? Oh, they're so stressful. A lot of, a lot of us will say, you know, making the team is harder than running in the Olympics, just the amount of pressure that everyone has. And, um, I will never forget that interview. I didn't do a victory, or I did do a victory lap. I didn't do, um, an interview with NBC that right after but I did find you. And I remember after the 5k, oh, excuse me, this is after the 5k, I yeah. found you because I think you went home. Well, you were devastated. You were, you were devastated. I was devastated. Yeah. I started to cry and you're like, oh gosh, Carrie. Well, yeah, because but, what happened is that you didn't qualify in the 5,000. Right? I didn't qualify. But then when I ran the 1500, I think you had left because they were two different weekends. And I don't think you got that. That sounds right. You that had sounds to right. Go home. No, but, I wasn't but, planning right. on making that team. <laughs> and then you, what was it about that fifteen hundred then? That just because that wasn't your wheelhouse event, and and all of a sudden, were you, were you, did you just find yourself in like a, a make or break kind of desperation yeah. mode, and just kind of I have to do this if I want to make this dream come true? I did. I found yeah. myself in the lead. My coach gave me one piece of advice. He said, "Don't lead," because I had had two. 5Ks and the 1500 meter prelim to get to the final. So I had a lot of races. It was 116 degrees on the track that day. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It was terrible. Um, but I found myself in the lead because I drew lane one. So I had to get out and I led for, I guess it was like 1400 meters. I led then, then Jen Toomey came up with hundred meters to go and I fought her off with about 50 to go. And they only send, sent one of us that year because nobody had the time standard. So I had the B standard and I won. So I got to go and you guys followed me on that journey of gosh, I forgot about all, the standard. So it's not it just nuts. finishing in the top three. You also have to have the, the time standard. That's right. Yes. Oh yes. And I wasn't really planning on the 1500. It was always like an added bonus if I made it, but that 5k was where we were thinking I was going. Um, and I got beat bad. I got my butt kicked in that 5K. And I just remember saying, I'm sorry, Minnesota. Oh my gosh. I you felt know, so bad. Are you kidding me? You made us so proud. And and, mm. uh, and I know you've been such a great ambassador for the sport ever since, Carrie. Mm. Um, what, what, what is it about running and, and the running community that is, that is so special to yeah. you in your opinion? Well, you know, I think the thing 
it is, is some people get a little intimidated sometimes running with me or talking about running because I am at a, or I was at a different level. But the more they realize that we all sort of have the same goal in mind to see how hard we can push and to see how tough we can be as individuals in this sport. And you grew up running, so you know it. It's not an easy sport ever. But when you have those breakthroughs, then you're like, oh my gosh, this is really fun. And the community in itself, so supportive. You know, I think when you know something's hard and you need support to get through it, everyone wants just to get on board. And Minnesota has had such a wonderful community for so long. And my favorite thing to do is just to go for runs. And I get in trouble all the time because I wave and say hi to every single runner. Um, but I feel like they're all my friends, even if I've never met them and they're run they're running or they're out on the river road i'm like that's my friend they're a runner i don't know their name but we're friends so so what are you doing to kind of stay ingrained in that community carrie and and, and how are you kind of like still uh, actively being a, a proponent of of running and, and racing or whatever yeah well i've made a career in this sport perk you know i was racing for all those years and even when I was racing, I kind of was, was bugging the TV guys and gals and saying, I'd love to do what you do. And so early on, it was about two years into my professional career where I, I started doing some commentary. And so I've been doing commentary. I speak a lot. As you know, I like to talk. So I've made that a living. And, um, you know, I have a podcast, like I said, but I also just feel like people have always felt like they understand my life and what I'm going through. So I have kids now and people now relate to that and I'm working and people relate to that. And they really like to see, you know, there's this thing called Strava and a lot of people are on it. It's an app that tracks your training. And I think people really understand now that I am not training any harder than most people out there now. Um, I just can still go fast. So, you know, being in the sport and being able to work in it has been a, a dream come true. Not so sure what's going to, you know, happen in the future years here, but I always will come back to this running community. It's funny, like once you are a runner, it is kind of like getting right back on a bike and riding. You can you can just kind of really kind of pick it up again. And like I'll never forget, like being a distance runner as an, you know, in my upper teens and early 20s, I kind of um just had a knack for it. Right. And then, and you just know how to push your body and get, get to the point where you need to get. And I was running five K's and 10 K's. And I remember that, like, I didn't run for 15 years. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, Hey, we're all a bunch of us at work are going to run the half marathon. Are you in? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Right. And like, they were like, all right, here's our three month plan or whatever for, and like, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, all good. And I remember I like, I went running like twice before, before oh the half marathon and I went out and I just, I just, I did great, and I'm, yeah. you know, not great, but I did like, it wasn't like a thing where I needed to do all this like massive training for yeah. this event. It was just kind of like, I was able to kind of just, yeah, just yeah. run and just do it. I know and, you can pick it up pretty quick. Yeah, it, it's and and that's what I love about it. Also, is that it, if I wanted to start running again tomorrow, I could just do it. And like yeah. it does, it you know, it 
it as long as you're able-bodied you know it's mm-hmm. it's you know thank god i am i'm able to i am able to do it and and it is there is something just like almost spiritual about it also mm-hmm. i think that that's a huge part of it and in getting that kind of mental clarity and just being at one with whatever you want to be with in yeah. your in your headspace and i i just think that it, it there's so many benefits in that regard too isn't there Oh my gosh, it is so nice to have so many close friends that are in this sport. And again, not all of them are elite. They're they're just runners. And um, you know, we've had some heartbreak in the running world now and in the track and field world, lots of ups and downs, a lot of, you know, stories, especially from the Olympics, or have athletes that have lost their parents, you know, before the trials or right after the trials or right after the Olympics. And it's been really, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to say inspiring because it's not inspiring to ever watch someone have to do their job after they lose someone, but to see them toe the line and to give it their all and know that everyone there is supporting them. That's what I love about it. You know, we all want to see each other do well, even though we want to beat each other. Like I didn't want anyone to beat me. I just, I still care about people. And, you know, here in Minnesota, um, you know, even thinking about Gabe Anderson, Gabe Grunewald and her sister who just passed. I mean, when you see heartache in this sport that's when you really see the support everybody comes together and everybody is there to lean on and even if you're having a rough day it doesn't even have to be death it can be just having a rough season injuries people are there and they lift you up and it's pretty special i just have loved it i mean i really can't say much bad about it i think we can be a little more inclusive and to try to you know introduce the sport to different areas and different people but in that sense, I think even last year after we had George Floyd and everything, the runners were trying to figure out um, how to, you know, reach out to different ethnicities and, and different communities. And they got excited about it. They didn't shy away from it. They said, let's go. This is a wonderful community. And so we're seeing it grow. We're seeing, you know, more and more people understand that, yeah, it's a wonderful place to be. It's hard to get out the door by yourself, but when you have partners or accountability posts like social media allows, um, it's pretty special. Yeah. And is, is, are you passing it down to your, 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 your kids or is that, are they just, oh, they, do they want no part of it? Where are they at with running? Well, let's just say, okay, Ruby, my 11 year old, she is the one that did Highland track and field. So she was little, it was a couple years ago, 200 meter dash. She was the one waving to the crowd. She oh. said, mom, nobody's behind me. I'm like, mm, you know, you're eight or nine. That's okay right now. But the objective is to have everyone behind you. <laughs> so I have that one, which I love dearly. And she's an entertainer and um, an activist already in her own right. She's a very, she's got a real strong voice, which I love. Um, but my boys, yes, they really like to run and play sports and do everything. I actually had one injury last year, Perk, and it was from punting the ball. And oh. I really, I was hurt for a long time because I punted so many balls. I never knew I liked to punt, but I do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm doing all the sports again and I love it, but they're injuring mom along the way. Isn't that, isn't it, isn't it awesome being a sports <laughs> parent? I mean, it is. Just, it's so fun. but, but as somebody who is an elite athlete, yeah. right. And, and had such a competition based upbringing, yeah. right. Yeah. Is it when you, when you see your daughter wave into the crowd as she's running the 200 meter dash? I mean, is that, is that like, is that, is that, how is well, that? For everyone you, right? knows what kind of daughter and, she is. And what kind of sports parent are you? Like, are, like, are you, you know what I'm saying? Oh. Are you, 
are you the, kind of the, the one that has to kind of bite your tongue or you just let it go? I kind of let it go. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, focus, let's go. But it also, you were the cutest one out there, like my mom would say, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But you know what I love about Sports Perk? And maybe, I don't know, maybe you've seen this now, but when I go and sit in the crowd now, I love that not only are the guys super into it, but the girls are, the gals are as well. Like I'll see all these moms that have come from a sports background now and they get it. They're like, set a screen, roll, you know, do these things. And when my mom and dad were in the crowd, my dad would say those technical terms every now and then, you know, whether we were in the huddle or if he would say something before the race. But my mom was one of few that understood that then because she my dad was a college football player and she grew up with sports and loved it. She never played sports, but she grew up around it with my dad. And I love that all these moms now, no matter if they're you know, coming from a professional side of things or not, they get sports. So it's really fun to see all these parents now that maybe it's the moms yelling out all the plays and things like that, rather than just the dads. Right. So it's a cool time to be. That's it for is. sure. It is. Uh, it is. And and thank you just for taking the time today to talk to us. It was great catching up with you, Carrie. And uh, even though you're hard to catch up to because you're really fast, but but uh, or and or really busy, uh, both I think. But um, no, it was it was a joy, and let's let's continue to to stay in touch and continued success, and and keep being such an ambassador for for Minnesota and and the sport of running. I, I really appreciate your time. Well, I'm so excited to see what the future holds for you, and we're gonna go for some more runs. Let's get after it. Let's go. That'll do it for this episode of Perkett Pod. We want to thank our partners, Audio Wiz, Justin Bailey, theme song by Taylor Robert. Keep listening weekly for another episode with Minnesota sports influencers and icons on Perkett Pod. Feel free to share this podcast. Give us a simple subscribe click. It doesn't cost you a thing. Heart us, rate us, double tap us, whatever you want. And until next time, remember, shine bright. Don't be afraid to be weird and open your hearts to inclusion. Peace. But doom, but doom me, Find out what he'll say. Who's coming on today? Sometimes he's at play. But doom, but Find out what he'll say. Do me, do me, do me, do me.